This is our last week of the R-E-E-R, God's Favorite Letters, and we were talking about resurrection and reconciliation, or that we have been resurrected in Jesus Christ, and thus we are reconcilers. A lot of R-E's and E-R's in there. R-E changes us, and that's where the E-R comes in. I think if we look throughout Scripture, we will see this story of God trying to restore and reconcile himself to uh, each and every one of us, reconcile humanity to himself. And so we are reconciled to God so that we can be reconcilers, because that's the climax of the entire God story and we see in Revelation, the book of Revelation tells us that God will restore and reconcile all things in Jesus Christ at the end and to himself. I pray that you will have a great week and enjoy the message. Next week we start the At The Movie series and uh, Looking forward to sharing some of those. You saw some of the topics that will be up there. We're going to be looking at iconic masks in movies. We're going to look at treasure hunts. We're going to be looking at uh, cop movies and some cars, full throttle movies. So look forward to that. It's always a, a little bit of a fun and lighter side to summer. When life uh, isn't always going well, um, when things are sort of out of sorts, uh, we, we feel like, um, I don't know, we just, we wish we could reconcile things. Sometimes we wish we could restore things. Sometimes in my life when maybe my car's not working or I got to take one of the kids, you know, cars in or I'm not feeling healthy, uh, you know, you, you want it restored back to sort of the norm, you know, and maybe it's a technology issue in your household, whatever it is, we, we, we feel out of sorts when the universe sort of isn't right, you know, in our life. Uh, about, I think it's about three, four weeks ago, my youngest son, Grayson, who's 14, uh, he was over at a friend's house. And when teenage boys get together, you know, there's some, you know, ruckus going on. And so, um, one of those moments happened where they're out in the, in the backyard of a friend and, and he got pushed into the pool. And so teenagers, you know, being pushed in the pool in my day wasn't real big deal. I mean, we kind of laughed, we had fun, you had to go change clothes or dry out. Nowadays, um, you, ever, you know what's in a pocket of a teenager right? Um, there's a thousand dollar device, possibly an iPhone in the pocket of a teenager, right? And so, uh, the, he immediately knew that he had his phone in his pocket and he jumped out. And so I'll just let you know, for some reason, those things that are supposed to be water resistant to three meters is not true. But anyway, he popped up and, uh, he put the phone in a rice bag and, you know, we put it in the house. We did the same thing and we didn't power it up for, you know, 24 hours, whatever it was. We probably didn't do it right, but we powered it up. Nothing happened. So luckily we have insurance through our AT&T and all of our devices because we have six devices on our plan. Okay. And so Five in our family. Yeah, see, I, you wonder where all my money goes. But anyway, that and Baylor. But anyway, um, so five devices and then uh, one more for Jamie's dad. So that's six devices on our plan. And so we have insurance on all the devices. And so I called in 
and said, you know, we had a water damage thing. Could you send us a deal? And so they do with a deductible and we didn't have any claims. And so it was a cheap, cheaper solution. So they sent us a phone. Well, he had one of those little iPhone uh, reds. And so they sent us one of those at the last minute. They didn't think they were going to have one available, but then they said it. We, we opened it up and it looked refurbished because they usually send refurbished phones. And so plugged the SIM card in and, and we kind of had some trouble with the SIM card. And he had trouble with the SIM card before actually in his old phone, before it sunk into the water. And so we thought, well, let's put the new SIM card in there. And, and that gave us, that gave us some trouble. And so we called in, you know, I love to call in to AT&T. It's such a blessing. And so I called in, you know, and, and I, and I found the person and that, you know, they said, okay, read me off those little tiny numbers for the SIM card, read me off those little tiny numbers for the device. And so I did all that and they activated it. It all went good. Something that really should take no time at all took, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to activate. And so we got it all restored. We got all this stuff on it, all that. And then the next day, or maybe that night, uh, when he left the house, he realized that he couldn't text. No, no texts would go through unless he was on Wi-Fi, and he couldn't call anybody. And I was like, what is the deal, you know? And so anyway, it went on and on. And so I uh, actually went online and you have this little app and I went on the app and I went across all the devices and it said suspended. And I was like, suspended? We just turned it on. I called the company, you know, that has now suspended it and it's suspended. And so I pushed unsuspend. And so, you know, and hit the button and bingo, it all went good and it was going great for a while. And then I went, I think it was, went off to work. And so he was like, eh, it's not working again. And so I said, you're just going to have to deal with it. You know, there's enough Wi-Fi around in the world that you can handle it. And so we, I finally had time to, to call in after we tried everything that we could imagine, you could imagine. And so I called in and I was talking to, of course, um, somebody who was in another country, speaks a different language for a first language and uh, God love everybody. You know, God loves everybody. But this, uh, it's always seems that that's the case, right? And so you're trying to share with them what's going on and they got to ask the standard questions, you know, before you can even get to what's really happening. You know, I mean, y'all have this common experience, right? And so you, add, you get to, they don't even listen to you, uh, you know, at the beginning. And so I already shared what was going on, all that. So we got to this moment in the conversation to where the, the lady looked at the, the device and said, it's suspended. And I said, I know it's suspended. And so my wife was working at home when I was having this conversation. I don't know when this was, but she works at home. And so she was listening to me and, and y'all know I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. And so I'm trying my best not to let my spiritual gift come out at all with this person that might not understand me. And so I basically after a while, I just like, I just, you know how you talk slower to people you don't think understand you? I just want to use my phone that I pay a lot of money for, you know? And so my wife's listening to this. She's just cracking up in the other room. And anyway, she says, well, give me your account number. I said, I've given you the account number like a hundred times. And she said, well, uh, give me the account number. I give you the account number. We can resolve something or whatever. And she's like, well, this is a direct TV account. 
I was like, what are you talking about? I'm talking to AT&T. This is my AT&T account. She transfers me to a DirecTV person. And I was like, that is not what I need. So I find this other number through the insurance company and I call them and I'm talking to them. Or, or sorry, she was telling me, this is not the end of the conversation. She tells me that the phone is stolen. Okay, that this wasn't actually reported as a stolen phone. They had sent through the insurance company a refurbished, supposedly stolen phone. So it couldn't ever get on the network. It would, it would go on the network for like five minutes and then it would go off. And so finally called the insurance company and we kind of got it resolved. We got everything restored. We got it reconciled. And now the teenager has their phone back and all is right in the universe, right? And dad has wasted three hours of his time talking to people that for some reason don't really want to listen to me. But anyway, um, and you always learn about yourself, right? When you deal with those things. But anyway, that's for another sermon. We just feel, (laughs) we just feel out of sorts, you know, when things aren't reconciled and restored. We just, we, we really, you know, we just want the universe to be right. And so that's what we're talking about today. God's favorite letters is we, this R-E-E-R concept that we've been going through is that we can, we can know God's repentance, right? We, we can know a relationship with God. We can have a redo, right? We can be restored. We, we, all these words, R-E, right? Reborn, resurrected. But the R-E isn't worth much if it doesn't change you, and that's where the E-R comes in. And we've talked about, you know, if we're receivers of something, then we can be lovers, right? We're receivers of God's love, and then we can be lovers. And and we have this redo, and thus we can be doers, and we can be renewed by the forgiveness of God in our life, and thus we can be forgivers. And we have this relationship with God, and if we have a relationship with God, and we really do have faith in Christ, then we're brothers and sisters. And so that brings us together. And then because we're redeemed by Jesus, then we can be redeemers. And today we're talking about resurrected. And when we're resurrected, ultimately that makes us reconcilers. Because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has begun to reconcile and restore all things to him. So the resurrection of Jesus is the apex of the Christian faith, right? We would say that we don't have a Christian faith without the resurrection. But the resurrection, as we talked about at Easter time here, is it's, it's, uh, it's not just for people that die. It's for you and I. It has everyday implications in our life. And so if you take the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it's the apex of the whole story, yes, but it's not the whole story, is it? Because there's a whole lot that goes along with the resurrection. And if we just make life about a ticket to heaven, or we go out there into the world and we're going to go tell others how to escape the planet Earth, right? Because it's just the apex of the, the whole entire thing. And, but it's not the whole story. There's also redemption and reconciliation going on. There's restoration. And sometimes when we just make it about the resurrection, then it's not as compelling. It might be why a lot of people sit in church and they're bored, right? Because what am I supposed to do? What's the, what's the everyday? What, what am, what's my life about, supposed to be about? So restoration and reconciliation 
is the climax of the story. If you look at scripture, it's at the end. Jesus says, I'm making all things new. He, is, he is, comes back. And, and ultimately, scripture says that he is, restores all things, reconciles all things to himself. Now, that has begun already. And that's a part of the great journey of faith. And that's what we're supposed to be about. So I believe as followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus are not only saved from something, sin, but they are saved to something, reconciliation. Because through the salvation of Jesus Christ, we are thus reconciled to God. So we're saved to something. This is the glorious truth of the gospel. This is the glorious truth of the cross and the resurrection is that we are reconciled to God. Our relationship is healed through faith in Christ. Now, in Romans chapter five, Paul speaks of this. He, he says, for since our friendship with God was what? Restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemy, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So again, restored, reconciled, our relationship with God. And then Jesus says, I am no longer, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, he says, since I have told you everything the Father told me. So there's this healing of a relationship, this restoration, reconciliation of a relationship. And then we will look at what Paul says in Colossians today in chapter one about how Jesus is the sufficient chosen agent of all reconciliation and the reconciliation of all things. See, this is a part of God's nature to reconcile and restore. It's, it's, um, it's the image in you and I that was created Right Before sin entered the world, before anybody sort of took um, the image of God and, and laid it aside, it's like the very image in which we were created, he wants to restore in all people. And we're called to participate in that as his followers because we're a part of a restoration project through Jesus Christ. And so to me, restoration and reconciliation are the fuel for the modern Christian. The modern-day Christian, modern-day Christian. I mean, to, to me, you, yes, you're, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, but you need to be out there doing something that Jesus is do, seeks to do, and Jesus is trying to reconcile and restore the entire world to himself. Why shouldn't we be about what he's about? And so Colossians chapter one, we're gonna look at this. To me, if you have your scriptures, uh, open your scripture up to Colossians chapter one. And we're gonna be looking at verses 15 through 23. And I'm gonna start with verses 15 and 16, actually, here in just a moment. But to me, Paul speaks to what we're talking about and how we have been reconciled, and then we are called to live. So listen to this, verses 15 and 16. Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So basically, Jesus Christ is the visible manifestation of God. This is a personal God, not a distant God. God came down to earth, came to us, and he is supreme. This is the supremacy of Christ right here, that he is above all things and over all things and everything. And so he goes on, he made the things we can see and the things we cannot see. 
such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Again, supremacy of Christ. Everything was created through him and for him. And he is a personal God. So verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. So he pre-existed creation. He was not created. Again, this is a fight against some particular heresy, right? But Christ is a part of the Godhead, right? And so Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, the uh, supreme over all who rise from the dead. Resurrection. So he is first in everything. First again. Verse 19, for God is all uh, in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God, what? Reconciled everything to himself. Or your version might say all things. God reconciled all things, everything to himself. Again, relationship that was out of sorts, relationship that was marred by our own human sin was we are given full access through faith and grace and mercy of God. And whether we accept that or not is up to us, but we are reconciled to God through what Christ has done for us. And so there's a story of restoration and reconciliation going on. Verse 20, Paul says, he made peace, which is the same exact thing as saying he reconciled all things, okay? He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So this is the very nature of God. He chose to do this, and he did it by placing himself on a cross. He made peace. He reconciled. Christ is the chosen agent, all sufficient to reconcile all things. Verse 21, this includes you who were once far from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. So sin was in the universe and we were out of joint, okay? And the reality is we were all far from God and all are far from God in some particular form or fashion. And Jesus was the reason for reconciliation that full access to God could happen again because of what Christ did. And then in verse 22, yet now he has what? Reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, reconciliation, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Paul says you are holy and blameless. Anybody feel holy and blameless all the time? Right? But you are reconciled through Jesus Christ. So there's more going on in the God story than we give God credit for. But the purpose of reconciliation is to be reborn. All right, we talked about that. Be reborn to something, for something, and, and to take our religious and social and political lives and have an intention to move out into the world that's influenced by the Spirit, right? And so we are reconciled to God to be reconcilers, right? God provided the ability for us to be reconciled through Christ so we can be reconcilers, so we could do what he is doing. He wants us to do. And the climax of all humanity, all of history, is to restore and be reconciled. 
with God. So verse 23, Paul goes on, he ends, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Now, the good news is, is if you look through Scripture and you look at the life of Jesus Christ, who we're supposed to follow and we proclaim as our risen Lord and Savior, you see a wake of healing and restoration in his life. Everywhere you go, you saw healing and restoration and reconciliation. He was always trying to do that. Even at the moments that there was divisiveness in his ministry, it was to bring people to have full access to God, to bring total reconciliation with the Heavenly Father. I love how Craig Bloomberg puts it. He says that Jesus' life was contagious holiness. I love that. Contagious holiness. So restoration and reconciliation should be the fuel for the modern day Christian. That's, that's what should fuel us. Now, you have to have been hiding under a rock, or like me, try to pay no attention to the media as best you can to not hear about the Nike issue, right? And Colin Kaepernick, right? And so, um, you know me, I'm not going to get real political about a whole lot of stuff up here, but the story was Nike Air Max, they had this design that had the Betsy Ross flag, the early American colonial flag that had all the stars in a circle, and they had that on the back of the shoe. And Colin Kaepernick is a Nike athlete who signed, many of us know his name, know his name for good and for bad, but also for, he has a particular social justice this voice. And he uh, told Nike, he said, I don't know if everybody's really going to like that design. That might offend some people because slavery was quite the practice back in the days of Betsy Ross and America at that time. And so they supposedly pulled this shoe that they supposedly had designed, right? Um, Dr. Alveda King is the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., that great civil rights um, advocate, and um, we all know him who was, uh, who was killed, but um, he, she was in an interview, and she was talking about her uncle. She was talking about her, um, what she learned from him. She says, you know, I, I, enj- I, I like the shoe design. I, I think it's cute. That's what she said about that shoe design. And then she went on. She said, listen, it, I learned some things from my uncle. If you take a knee then you take a knee and you pray in the process and then you educate your public and the people that you can speak to and then you examine your own soul and then you sit down and then you try to talk. And she's going on about divisiveness, division of America and, and different issues. And I love this quote. She said, unfortunately, Nike decided to join in a fight and a struggle that further divides rather than reconciles. I love how she talks about reconciliation there. I think love always wins the day, but we have to get there. What a great truth about reconciliation in that particular moment, in that particular issue. And just a side note for us on this. Whether Nike actually designed that shoe or not, who knows, okay? But it has captivated us, right? And if you've gotten all worked up about all this stuff, and defending America and all that stuff or whatever it is, you have played right into the hands of Nike and the marketers. I mean, their stock is going up 
right? And what I, just a side note, I mean, I say this a lot. We sometimes are being led by the wrong thing in our life. We're listening to the politicians. We're listening to the press. We're listening to the consumer marketers, right? All that stuff, it's leading us in the wrong direction. And first of all, what does God truly want from all of us? And I think what Dr. King just said in that interview, reconciliation, restoration. And that's not an easy thing, but it was what Christ was about. Does that cancel out everything else? No, but sometimes we're listening to the wrong folks. Anyway, let's move on. As Christians, we should see ourselves as people who are on the mission, working in partnership with God to live out justice and mercy and compassion and peace and generosity. And if we're not about that, I don't know if we're actually about what Christ wants us to be about because we're called to partner with God to do restorative work, to to be a torch of hope out there, right? And, And it's hard to reconcile with people if we're always telling people they're broken and they don't measure up because they don't think like us or they don't act like us or they don't look like us. Reconciliation is important and we should create a culture of that because Jesus sought to create that culture as well. I love how Andy Crouch He's an author and a researcher. He says, cultures aren't changed by being condemned and copied. They are changed by creating more of it, meaning creating more of something, creating more of reconciliation, more of restoration of the culture of Jesus Christ. And what happens is, is then we begin to see change truly happen. Now, God's in the reconciliation business. And if we're just waiting around for a new heaven and new earth to show up, and we're not helping create the very culture that God seeks from each and every one of his followers, then we're missing the mark, right? And we need to be about building up and repairing brokenness and showing mercy and and reinstating hope. That's true reconciliation. So how do we live in today's world? There's so many voices speaking in our lives and we have, to, we have to have an opinion. We have to be concerned about that or we're not an American. You know what I'm saying? What, maybe we just need to be leading a life after Christ and what he sought for us. And when we accept God's grace in our life as a Christ follower, what happens is it reforms us into a new creation and then we can in turn embody God's ultimate Intent, and that is to reconcile all things to himself. That was God's ultimate intent through Jesus Christ to reconcile all things to himself. I want to close with this, and then we're going to go into a time of communion. We have been reconciled to be reconcilers. And I love what it says in Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 58 says some powerful words. And I just want you to follow along with me and you can just just let these words resonate as you look at them and you hear them. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, 
giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an overflowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. And I love this. Then you will be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and reconcile and make the community livable again. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your calling in our life. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of what your ultimate end is and how you're seeking to reconcile and restore all things to its original image, your image. And that means our neighbors and our friends and the folks that we see on TV and the immigrants at the border and the person we don't agree with and the folks that don't look or think like us. But Lord, may we trust in you and when we trust in you to live as you have called us to live, then maybe our communities will begin to heal again and be restored to the fullness of Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, I invite you to support our ministry by giving online at jwumc.org give. I also would invite you to find a church to attend on a regular basis or join us at John Wesley on Sunday mornings at 8.15, 9 o'clock, and 11.15. God bless and have a great week.